This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Simone Zaziaris. And I'm Kate Watson. It's Friday the 28th of May. In your Squiz today, Victoria's lockdown. The president of Belarus takes aim. Australia's richest. And understanding cryptocurrency. This is your Squiz today. To Victoria first, Kate, and last night the entire state entered a seven-day lockdown. That's after 11 new cases were recorded yesterday, again all linked. But according to Acting Premier James Molino, a lockdown is necessary because the strain of the virus that is circulating is an Indian strain that's highly contagious. Yeah, that's not dissimilar to the reasoning for the last lockdown in Victoria back in February when Premier Daniel Andrews was concerned about the UK variant spreading. So we've been here before. There is a difference, though. There are now five reasons you can leave your home if you live in Victoria. One, to buy food for work if you can't work from home, to give care for exercise and the new one, Simone, to get a COVID vaccination. The hope is that more people will do just that with the announcement that Victoria's vaccination program program will expand to include anyone 40 years and older. As for what Victorians can't do, they can't travel more than five kilometres from their home. Masks are mandatory again and as for cafes and restaurants, it's takeaway only. So another big blow for hospitality in Victoria. Finally, it sounds obvious, but public and private gatherings aren't allowed, including now crowds at the footy. But if there is something to keep spirits up, it does look like games this weekend will still go ahead with a few fixture tweaks. As for how the other states have reacted, Kate, there's a variety of approaches, but it's safe to say that if you've been in Greater Melbourne in the last 14 days, you can't travel as you normally would be able to. It's the fourth time Melburnians have been locked down. So, Kate, there's a lot of views on whether this could have been prevented. Yeah, there are. And fingers are being pointed left, right and centre. James Molino didn't hold back in criticising the federal government's hotel quarantine program and also the vaccine rollout. He bluntly said that if the vaccine rollout had been further advanced, the lockdown might not be necessary. Lots of reaction to that comment, including from Scott Morrison. He said he'd spoken with Molino and would support Victoria with whatever they needed. He also said that hotel quarantine is effective, but he did indicate for the first time that he'd back an idea by Victoria to build a bespoke quarantine facility for returning travellers. So that would mean the federal government paying to build a 500-bed facility outside of Melbourne, not dissimilar to the one at Howard Springs in Darwin that's been used throughout the pandemic. Big day for all of this with National Cabinet due to meet Kate. This and more will be on the agenda. We've talked a bit this week about the espionage trial of Aussie academic Dr Yang Hengjung. That happened yesterday, Kate. It did, and Australia's ambassador to China, Graham Fletcher, was barred from entering the court, which is something he says is deeply regrettable, concerning and unsatisfactory. That's the quote. The reasons given by China was COVID restrictions and national security concerns. Bit of background on young Hen Jun. He's a 56-year-old pro-democracy writer. He's been detained for over two years now, and Chinese authorities are yet, at least publicly, to provide any details about what he is alleged to have done. If he is convicted, Simone, he could face the death penalty. Yeah, that's right. And for his part, he denies the charges and says he's a victim of political persecution. Back to that Belarus story from earlier in the week, Kate, where a plane that was flying from Greece to Lithuania was ordered to land in Minsk. That's the capital of Belarus. And a critic of the Belarusian president, Alexander Lukashenko, was taken off the plane and arrested. 
Since then, Europe has imposed sanctions on the nation, saying that what was done equated to hijacking. And now Lukashenko has, as they say, broken his silence. He has. He's defended grounding the flight. He maintains there was a bomb threat that meant the plane had to land. He also vowed to respond harshly to sanctions placed on Belarus. He said Western governments were using his country as a testing site to gain access to Russia, who is a close ally of Belarus. So, Simone, it's about a lot more than an arrest now. As for that journalist, Roman Protasevich, his Russian girlfriend, Sofia Sapega, was also detained. They both now face criminal charges and Protasevich says he fears the death penalty. Second time we've mentioned the death penalty in the podcast today, so some pretty grim news stories. Since their arrest, videos of the pair have been released. They appear to show them confessing to crimes. However, those in the know say it's likely they're both speaking under duress. In a world first, Kate, a court in the Netherlands has ruled that the oil giant Shell must reduce its emissions. Yeah, and they're saying it's a landmark ruling, Simone. Shell has massive oil and gas projects around the world, as we all know, including in Australia. It's said to be responsible for about 1% of global emissions each year. It's pledged to reduce emissions by 20% within a decade and to hit net zero emissions before 2050. But what this court decision means is it would have to do more sooner. Yeah, and whilst it only applies in the Netherlands, there's a way to run on this. As Shell says, it will appeal the decision. Each year, Kate, the Australian Financial Review puts out a rich list. Number one is Gina Reinhart. Yeah, it sure is. $31.06 billion she's worth. <laughs> Her wealth went up $2.2 billion in six months, and that's because iron ore hit record high prices. Simone, it's the largest fortune recorded in the rich list's 39-year history, so she's wow. doing okay. Similar story for Andrew Twiggy Forrest. He came in at number two. Next up in the top ten is Atlassian co-founder Mike Cannon-Brooks. Then it's Anthony Pratt, the guy that makes cardboard. And then it's Atlassian co-founder Scott Farquhar. So that's the top five. The next five are fairly familiar names like Clive Palmer and Frank Lowy. But first timers in the top 10, Simone, are new kids on the block. Canva co-founders Melanie Perkins and Cliff Obrecht. Canva, for those who don't know, is a software platform which simplifies graphic design. We use it at the Squiz. We reckon it's pretty great. Yeah, and if you don't know the Canva story, it's worth a Google. The pair who are also married are only in their early 30s, so they're doing all right. Sure are. Squeeze the day, Kate. What have you got? Mine's for tomorrow, actually, Simone. It's the anniversary of Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay reaching the summit of Everest for the first time. That happened in 1953. And from 1953 to 53, that's how old Kylie Minogue turns today. I'm a big fan, Kate. I didn't know you were a big fan of Kylie Minogue. (laughs) Are you more like the locomotion era or the can't get you Mm. out of my head kind of vibe? Can't get you out of my head's cool vibe for sure. But, you know, they're all classics, Kate. Who can pick? (laughs) Before we go, and on a completely different note, if you're confused about cryptocurrency, we have just the shortcut for you. We do, Simone. I touched on this yesterday, but always good to remind people again, as this one is one that plenty of people have been asking us to tackle for a while. So take a minute, have a listen. We get you across how cryptocurrency actually became a thing and who the big players are. So we're talking the Elon Musks of the world. And we talk about Bitcoin and what's going on with its soaring and sinking value. You can find that via link in your episode notes or by searching for squeeze shortcuts on your podcast app all right that's all from us and as always we'll be back on monday